Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum session. This is number 18 with Conrad York. It's hard to believe we've done 18 of these. Uh, I'm Ron Jolson. I'm your host this morning, and I am very pleased to greet all of you, uh, both from the field and the home office. I see quite a lot of home office friends today. That's great. Uh, And now I'd love to introduce uh, the Northwestern Mutual former vice president of marketing, Conrad York. Now, Conrad, I think you spent 17 years at Northwestern Mutual uh, leading the marketing function, and you and your team, I think, pretty much obliterated the whole quiet company concept um, single-handedly with a number of programs uh, really designed to improve our brand awareness. And I can think of uh, certainly what you did with field websites, uh, the national partnership with the NCAA, and, of course, the Rose Bowl uh, I, I got to go to that very first one, Conrad, and that was, uh, it was pretty exciting. Now, early in Conrad's career, he held a variety of sales and marketing roles in manufacturing, technology, transportation, before he found the light and came to Northwestern Mutual. Uh, and today, Conrad is involved with a whole series of nonprofits, the Salvation Army, the Ignatian Volunteer Corps, the Mesmer Catholic Schools, and, of course, Marquette University High School. So Conrad uh, earned his MBA in international business and marketing, uh, had a Bachelor of Science degree in management information systems and finance from Marquette, and currently, interesting, and I think Conrad will get into a little bit of this, he's studying to become a spiritual director. We're going to learn a little more about that. Um, But also, just Conrad, just personally having known you, I've always uh, felt that you were very unique in the sense that you had such a strong uh, relationship with the field. And so it always makes you a really good person to be interviewing today because you've got those many connections and friends in the field as well as the home office. So it's great to have you. Um, And I would say today, even though you're no longer working at Northwestern Mutual, you're still making connections, but those connections are more on a spiritual basis, which is what we want to talk about. And tonight's or today's topic is called Ignatian Spirituality. Uh, which uh, many people on the call uh, may not know about, so we're going to learn about that. Uh, But to get started, Conrad, we always like to start with a little bit about your faith journey, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Sure, Ron. Hey, thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to uh, share my faith journey and talk about Ignatian spirituality. And one thing you didn't miss, Ron, about, you know, changing the brand in Northwestern, probably the most pertinent was we changed colors from that quiet, ugly orange to this beautiful gold and blue, which happen to be the colors of what school around? Uh, you know what? I, I think they happen to be the colors of Marquette. I'm sure that's a complete coincidence uh, that that happened. No question about it. No question. I appreciate you bringing that up in front of ELT when we made that decision. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so my, my faith journey is, is typical of many starting out one step forward, one step back. I was brought up Catholic, um, went to church and prayed on a regular basis. I had a grace of a faith from day one. I've always believed, and that was very helpful. But, you know, throughout middle school and high school, I sort of got away from the Catholic Church, went to uh, University of Marquette and went to church a little here and there. But for the most part, I strayed and uh, strayed from the church till about, oh, 1997, 1998. 
I was back in Wisconsin. I'd moved down to Kansas City, moved back. And at that point, you know, I had a couple of younger kids and wanted to raise them in a, a Christian environment. And my wife was not Catholic. And so we decided to join a Christian church called Westbrook in Delafield, Wisconsin. And it was, it was really good to join a Christian church, raise our kids with uh, Christian values. And it really started at, at that point, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And at that point, we um, Rick Warren had come up with this book, A Purpose Driven Life. And that made a big impact on me. And I was traveling back and forth to Southern California time on business. So I went to Saddlebrook for, you know, a, a few different uh, services. And it really sort of enlightened me to there's more than just a, a Catholic theology. There's a Christian theology and for the love of Jesus. And so it really started strengthening my, my faith in Jesus. And then I was at Northwestern and there's four people that made an impact on me there. First was Mark Newman invited me to a Christian fellowship community uh, breakfast in Chicago. And then Curtis Estes did the same thing in San Diego in the Western Regional. And then John Bychek in the Southern Regional. And then Paula Dock invited me to uh, the annual meeting breakfast. And I really started understanding the Christian fellowship community. And then I met this individual by the name of Jim Malonis. And I gotta tell you, Jim is, is a man with uh, Jesus in his heart. And he got me engaged with the Christian fellowship community. And I really found a home with Jesus and the CFC. And it was, it was good. I was doing a lot of activity, but I wasn't necessarily building a relationship. And I'll use this analogy, the U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, was from the late 80s. And I knew there was always more out there. And that activity was sort of scratching itch, but not really scratching the itch. Long story short, I sort of fell away from the CFC and from the church. And I went to really, um, quite frankly, in a funk from probably 2012 to 2018. And then I sort of had a cannonball moment on uh, March 13th in 2018. Had this book here. I don't know if you can see it. It's uh, Experiencing God Day by Day. And this was recommended to me by Curtis Estes. And on March 13th, it's a daily devotional. I'm reading and it said, God's desire is to take you from where you are. He wants you to be. You will always be one step of obedience away from the next truth God wants you to learn about. Him. You may experience a restlessness whereby you sense that there is far more you should be learning experiencing about the Father. At times, this will mean you should move to a new location or take a new job. Could indicate that you need a deeper dimension added to your prayer life. Perhaps you need to trust God to agree you never have before. The fishermen could not remain in their fishing boats and become apostles of Jesus Christ. Abraham was 75 years old when God gave him his major life assignment. These men had to disrupt their comfortable routine in order to reach new heights in a relationship with the Lord. Are you willing to abandon which makes you comfortable? So I read that on March 18th and a couple of weeks prior to that, I was talking to John Grogan. He talked about the Jesuit retreat house in Oshkosh. So after reading this, I'm like, you know what? I need to go to a retreat. So I signed up for a retreat a couple of weeks later and it's during Holy Week. And uh, Father J.J. O'Leary was leading a retreat. So let me back up a second. Jesuit retreat in Oshkosh is roughly a four day silent retreat. And it's uh, I've never been to a four day silent retreat prior to that. I've been like one day. But, you know, can you be quiet for four days and just focus on God, being a type A personality? It was not necessarily a walk in the park, but Father J.J. was a professor of mine at Marquette roughly 35 years prior. And he put on a great retreat and gave a lot of um, knowledge and wisdom and insights. I probably had 30 pages of notes after this retreat. 
But I had another cannonball moment there because he ended this retreat with this question. Um, it was a question that really stuck with me. And it's uh, basically, what am I doing? What have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What will I try to do for Christ? And I got to tell you, I could not authentically answer that question. And that just really hit home. Like, I need to change my life at this moment. So I started studying more and learning more and, you know, praying deeper. And the following year, I went back to the Jesuit retreat house. I had Father Maher. And he talked about having a framework of a, what's your life structure like and how does it relate to your life's values? I'm like, well, my values are union with God and love my fellow brothers and sisters. Then I started self-examining the structure of my life. And I got to tell you, it wasn't really conductive to having union with God and loving my brothers and sisters. So I prayed more and studied more. And then finally, the next year, went back and they talked about the spiritual exercises. And I'm like, you know, I heard about these things at Marquette and never knew much about them. So I decided I'll give it a shot. And I went through the spiritual exercises. And I got to tell you, that changed my entire life. It's uh, God had taken me to the Jesuit retreat house in front of Father J.J. O'Leary, Father Maher. And then finally, they brought up the spiritual exercises and I went and took them and it, it changed my life around. So tell us a little bit more about that, uh, Conrad, those exercises and disciplines. What was your experience? Um, you know, why was it important to you? Can it be important to all of us? Uh, and I think the key for the spiritual exercises, first, they're developed 500 years ago by St. Ignatius. And St. Ignatius is a person who founded the Jesuits, and he developed these exercises as a path to God. And, you know, a little bit of background on St. Ignatius. He was, um, he was a Spaniard, and he was a, a warrior, liked to drink, fight, and chase women. And he was in a battle once. And literally, a cannonball came through the castle wall and broke his leg. And that's where this whole cannonball moment thought actually started. And as he's rehabbing from having a broken leg, he started to understand the consolation and desolation. In a consolation, you're moving towards God, and desolation, you're moving away from God. So he came with these spiritual exercises, and they were initially developed for people who wanted to become a Jesuit, and they'd go away for 30 days in a silent retreat. And you'd really contemplate what it meant to become a Jesuit, what it meant to have a stronger, closer relationship with God. You know, this worked well for the Jesuits. There's roughly 18,000 of them today around the world. In the United States, they're best known for running universities. They have 28 universities of uh, Marquette's one of them, Boston College, Gonzaga, Xavier, Georgetown, a lot of good schools. But within these exercises, it's, it's, it's a group of meditations, prayers, and uh, competitive practices that really help you focus on building a relationship with God. Um, it's a 30-day silent retreat, and that works great if you're studying to become a priest. Most of us cannot take off 30 days of life and go somewhere to a retreat house and just study. So in the late 50s, they came up with a version that is basically 40 to 50 weeks of a year. You spend an hour a day, and it's reading, it's praying, it's going through different exercises. Then you meet with the spiritual director once a week. And the first week of the exercises, basically you talk about sin and God's mercy, the problem of evil, global, and personal sin. And then Christ's call to follow him. The second week is illumination. You learn about Jesus in the Gospels, and you make a practical decision to live one's life with Christ in service. The third week is union 
with Christ. It's a study about the passion and the strength to carry out one's mission, how Jesus did that. And finally, the fourth week is the resurrection of Jesus and God's love. Now, I say four weeks here because they're originally designed as a 30-day silent retreat. But if you do them as a layperson, as we are, um, it's 40 to 50 weeks, an hour a day, and you meet with a spiritual director once a week. And to me, it changed my life because it's it's sort of like Granham's, you know, 1031. It's a process to find God, but it's personalized to it. And it's something, you know, you don't have to be Catholic to do it. You just have to have a love for Jesus and want to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. One of the things, the outcome of uh, the spiritual exercises is you create your own principles and foundation document. And I'd like to share that with you, Ron, and uh, show you some of the outcomes from that. So this would be your document that you created? My personal document, yes. Yeah. And it is, it's interesting. Can everybody see the screen right now? Yep. Because, uh, you know, I'm not a creative writer in any way, shape, or form. And I went through this document. It probably took me a month to create this. And they don't give you much of a framework to create your document because it's really, you know, in prayer with Jesus and having colloquies and understanding what Jesus wants you to do. And one night I was uh, in bed thinking about this. And I saw light coming through one of my shades on the left side and on the bottom, and it made an L silhouette. And I thought, okay, Lord, that should be the start of my document. So we're all like, we're privileged to praise, honor, and serve God. And I think the word privilege is so important there because it is a privilege to praise, honor, and serve God. And then we embrace God's thinking, even when it's a mystery to us. And you think about it, it's God's thinking, it's not our thinking. And a lot of this is a mystery, but that's where our faith and trust comes in. And trusting God and, you know, believing in God. And we don't have to understand it all, but we need to have faith and trust in God. And then I put the word love in here because we are, we are all God's children. And, you know, it's, it's part of my um, values, union with God and loving all our fellow brothers and sisters. It's a crazy world out there. And it's, it's easy to, um, let's say, not only hate the sin, but also the sinner. But God loves us all and his love's unconditional, pure and true. So if we really follow Jesus, we need to, you know, hate to sin, but love the sinner. Because at the end of the day, God's love is everything we need, and it's the only thing we need. We can honor God by our willingness to embrace being the person God intended. And I think that's sort of one of the keys with these exercises. It helps you understand where God wants you to go and what God wants you to do. And was part, Conrad, was part of that also your learning to love God in the other direction? Oh, no question about it. You know, God loves us all. And learning to love God back is, it, it takes work and it takes understanding because there's a, something we all have is called ego. And it's always edging God out. And learning to love God and be transparent and authentic to God and to yourself is a way that you can really strengthen that relationship. You know, but before you shared these principles, you were talking a lot about um, the. Um, the importance of relationship. Uh, and that was one of the things that started to draw you into the, all of this. And, you know, as I hear you talk about love, uh, of course, we really can't love anyone without having a relationship. So that all fits very well, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Because, you know, love is the foundation of a relationship. And I think God loves us. We use God's love to love our fellow brothers and sisters and also then, you know, develop that relationship. And the, the, the word love is interesting. I think the word love is more from the, the Greek term agape, that form of love. It's not just, you know, human love. It's, it's much more than it. it's wishing the best for the others. 
Then along with this word life in here. And we desire indifference in our methods to achieve the ends which were created. I think this indifference really comes into trusting God. You know, let God help determine what methods we're going to use to um, honor him in his service. And the method should not blind us to prejudice of our prior experience and knowledge, but allow us to see the potential in all circumstances. Once again, trust in God. And then there's, there's a key piece here. Free us from disordered attachments that block our spiritual freedom. And these disordered attachments, this is really a Ignatian um, thought. And you can find this disordered attachment as lacking spiritual freedom. We become excessively attached to persons, places, and material possessions, titles, occupations, honors, and the claim of others. These things are good in themselves when they are ordered and directed by the love of God. They become disordered attachments or disordered loves when they push God out of the center of our lives. They become key to our identity. So I think this is really key that we get rid of these disordered attachments. We begin to learn to see God in everything while being good stewards of all his creations. And probably, Ron, the key here is we can only do this with God. Can't do this ourselves. So to me, this is praise, honor, and serve God. Evangelize the word, become the person God intended, and achieve the ends for which we are created. Yeah, I mean, that that's those are really excellent. And, you know, it's so funny. Northwestern Mutual... Um, you know, I don't know how many people I've met from the field that have visions for their lives, for their for their businesses, for their careers. But I wonder how many take the time to really come up with a spiritual vision like that. And I, I think it's marvelous that that you've done that. And obviously, you, you have a lot of thought behind it. Uh, and I love how love is the center of it, uh, really. And also God is the catalyst to make it happen. And you bring up a, just an incredible point, which is these things are, all, are impossible for us to do as men. But with the Holy Spirit, you know, we are enabled to uh, be able to pursue that relationship with God, to love. And then, as you said, clear away the distractions, which that can be the hardest of all, so I, you know, I really love the way you uh, uh, kind of outlined that whole thing. Um, so, uh, you know, as we were kind of talking through in advance of this, you mentioned something called the examine, and I know it relates to some of this. Could you tell us about that, and and how has that helped you in your in your spiritual journey? So, so Ron, the examine is it's a daily prayer that Saint Ignatius developed. And it's meant to be done for 10 to 15 minutes a day, whether it's in the evening or the morning. It's, it's really your choice. And there's probably 100 different versions of this out there right now. And what it does is it, it helps you understand are you in consolation? Are you in desolation? Is your soul following God? Is your soul following disordered attachment or the evil spirit? And if it is, how do you get yourself back on track towards God? It, to me, it's, it's we're, we're seeking progress, not perfection. And the examine really helps you with the progress moving forward. And that's why when St. Ignatius developed it, he's like, don't spend any more than 10 or 15 minutes on this, but do it each and every day. Now, now that being said, I learned about the examine, Father J.J. O'Leary. And it took me about three years to find the version that worked for me. You can do a Google query and they can come up with 100, 200, 300,000 versions of the examine. They all have some basic components to them. There's five steps to them. I'm going to share the screen and to show you the one that works best for me. So there's, there's really two questions here with the examine. Where did I find God today? Where is God leading me? And that, that to me is, is, is critical. What does God want me to do? 
in Word at see God. The first piece is give thanks, is have gratitude. I thank God for this day, for my life, for all I am and have, and for his word. The second is pray for light. And this is critical because don't look at the light as you see it. See the day as the Holy Spirit sees it and show me what I need to see. There, there's so much noise and confusion in our lives. Let's really get back to the quiet and see what God wants us to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, find God. I look at my day in the light of the Spirit. So you look back over the morning, afternoon, evening. Did I get done what I meant to do? Or did I leave things out? That's a sort of reviewing, you know, what you did, what you didn't do. Are you on track? And then the big question is, are you putting up with a bad habit? Is there a bad habit that is taking you off track here? Is there something that, you know, disordered attachment, something taking in desolation that you're not spending the time with God that you should? And then the next one is, where do I see my spirit? Trusting the Holy Spirit or anxiously focused on self? I got to tell you, when you get frustrated, we have anxiety. That, that, that's uh, really uh, highlighting that the evil spirits there active in your life. Get rid of the anxiety, get rid of the frustration and follow God. And this, this last one here is, have I found God in the quiet? You know, most people on this call right now are type A personalities. And for them to sit down and be quiet for 15, 20 minutes and just really meditate and focus on God and answering these questions between you and the Lord, that's tough to do. But I've really found that finding God in the quiet and spending the time is, is really helps me get through each and every day. Then you look through, is there anything wrong? Have I ignored God today? Have I neglected God's gifts? Have I pleased others instead of pleasing God? That, that's something that, you know. A lot of us do that. We're pleasers in a way because we're sales and marketing professionals like to please people. And am I doing that instead of pleasing God? Does something go bad? You need to think about these things. Anything go wrong? And then, you know, if I violated a commandment, even a partial infraction, or if I fallen short, I offer repent. That means I do 180 degrees and I, I do not do that again. Or I try not to do it again because remember, progress is an effort or not perfection. And then finally, what now? Where do I go forward? Where do I need God? What do I need to do in the next 24 hours to bring God more in my life? What do I have to avoid in order to get that done? So this is, as I mentioned, it took me a number of years to find the version that works for me. This is some Father Joseph Tetlow. He's a Jesuit out of uh, Dallas, Texas. And I do this each and every morning, typically between 9 and 10 after I get done working out. And really sort of centers me for the day of... Uh, putting my day together and my life together to be a, a, a follower of Christ. Well, what I, what I love about this is it, it puts a little structure into your walk, but it's really not limiting. Uh, the structure is really designed to get you to pay attention to, to God and to be a good listener. Uh, and, and he can still take you wherever he wants to take you. And your structure doesn't limit God in any way. I really like that. But what it does is it creates, um, I'll say a habit in a, in a good way, uh, a habit for you to make sure that you're doing everything you can to have that connection, make that connection. And it gives you a daily way of doing that. Is well, it's that a relationship, John, Ron, and yeah. we're all God's children. He has a unique relationship with each and every one of us. Yep. That's great. And, and I'm sort of curious too, Conrad, uh, we, we talked about in the intro your 
path to being a, a spiritual director. Now, w- w- is this something that you would help individuals with, creating both the vision that you started with and, and also the ex- examine for themselves? Do you help people with that, or is uh, being a spiritual director very different? Well, you know, it's just, there's many different flavors of being a spiritual director. So every Jesuit's a spiritual director by training. And in the last 40 years, a lot of lay people have become spiritual directors that really take the uh, exercises of other folks. My personal uh, hope is to work with professionals age 50 plus, help them understand what the next chapter of life is going to bring. So put the exam in their life, but go through that, you know, 40 to 50 week going through the exercise and help them understand their relationship with uh, Jesus. You know, a spiritual director is sort of like a mountain climbing guide. You've been up on the mountain. You sort of know the path around. You're not perfect in your technique or knowledge of the scripture, but you know how to sort of like guide somebody and lead someone and coach someone and sort of help them become accountable. But also at the same time, being a spiritual director, you need to have active listening, but understand this really about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. No one to step back. The God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit do their work. To me, I think that that's the key to becoming a good spiritual director. Yeah, knowing how to get out of the way, that's that's terrific. So uh, thank you so much, Conrad. I mean, I've learned a lot. I'm sure everybody on this call uh, learned a lot, uh, even those who are familiar with some of these things. Just hearing your personal um, way of doing it, I, I think is great. And that you spent the time to create your own sounds like something we all should be doing. So um, what we're going to do now is going into our breakout rooms And we have a couple of questions. Um, The first one is, do you yourself uh, use a daily prayer like the examine or or any other uh, discipline that helps you deepen your relationship with Jesus? Uh, We'd like to hear that. I think people in the group, if you have kind of a routine like that that helps you develop that relationship, we'd love to hear that. And that would be something to describe. Um, So that's one possible area. Uh, The second one is, you know, Conrad talked about his cannonball moment, uh, and he explained Ignatius Loyola and his, truly his cannonball moment. Uh, So our question number two is, have you had a cannonball moment in your spiritual life? Uh, And if you have, we'd love to hear about that as well. So with that, we're going to uh, turn to our breakout rooms, and we will see you at about uh, 9.45 Central. Okay, we are all back. So such an interesting breakout we had, and but I'm curious, Conrad, um, what, what happened in your breakout room? Anything you, you can share with us? Yeah, we, we had a lot of participation. Uh, almost everybody has some type of a daily practice, whether it's an app that they're using or whether they're listening to a podcast or they're doing the rosary or writing some scripture themselves. Everybody has a practice that tries to get them in a conversation with uh, Jesus. But I tell you, there's sort of a theme too that we need to listen as much as talk. And that this listening aspect and having the discipline to do that is, is critical. A lot, a lot of wonderful engagement all around. Super. I'm not surprised. Uh, so, so in our room, we had an interesting, I asked if anybody had, a, of course, a routine a, or something like an examine. And one comment was um, that they view every day their life as kind of like a window screen. So think about the day sort of passing by and you're, you're looking at it out of a window. Uh, and on that screen, every once in a while, a leaf sticks to it. That leaf represents maybe a thought or something that happened during the day 
but it's stuck with you. And at the end of the day, to try and figure out why, what was it about that one aspect? It could be something somebody said or something that you saw. Why did it stick? Why did it stay in your memory? Uh, is God trying to tell you something? What, what can you learn from what happened in that day that has stuck with you to, at, by, to the end of the day? And I just thought, thought it was kind of an interesting uh, way of looking at it. So um, a good experience. So, so Conrad, what we like to do is um, kind of give you an opportunity to give us a, I think you gave us a lot of transforming thoughts, frankly, but if you had one uh, that you'd like to um, share with us, what would that be? Well, Ron, it is this, you know, I've been thinking this through for the last month or so. And I think the transforming thought is, you know how you make God laugh? Tell God your plan. Your plan should be a daily walk with Jesus and allow God to lead you you know, you can have a plan in business. That's great. You're a financial advisor, you're a managing partner. Of course, you have a, a one-year plan and a five-year plan. But for your spiritual life, what really matters, walk with Jesus daily and have Jesus lead you. Love it. Okay, well, with that, uh, Conrad, we want to we thank you for being our guest. I want to thank everyone that participated. Um, just a, such a great breakout group we had today. Um, and uh, just a reminder, next month we will actually not have a forum session as it is the Friday before annual meeting and uh, a lot of people will be traveling. But of course, we will resume in August. And, and I guess, Conrad, do you have a, a final thought or announcement? Um, the announcement is I'd like to see everybody at the annual meeting, CFC breakfast, where this wonderful, wonderful speaker, Mr. Ron Jolson, who's written a book. and We're all going to get a copy of his book at the breakfast and you know I've, I've known ron for a number of years and he's not only a great speaker but he's he's um empowering and i think he's gonna have great nuggets of knowledge for us so i'm looking forward ron to seeing you in july the third week of uh july in milwaukee well i can't wait it's gonna be a lot of fun so uh, our goal of course is to reach uh, 600 owners to contribute at any amount to support the ministry so we're hoping that um uh, you will if it's on your heart to do that that would be great and so thank you, Conrad. We will see you in August with our, uh, our next guest, which is, who is Jay Hatton. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual. Listeners of Christian Fellowship Community presentations and any recordings acknowledge that these productions are exclusively owned by CFC and listeners agree to only use for their listening and not to make any use for any commercial reason. 